Hi everyone, this is Peter Levin, and you're listening to another episode of In Good Hands, a show about the companies and founders solving our climate crisis. Today, I interview John Belazer, CEO of Saluna. Bitcoin has been all the craze over the last few years, but here's the thing that most people don't hear about. The energy costs of the Bitcoin network. It's been estimated that the network uses nearly as much electricity as all of Ireland, with no slowing in sight as the industry continues to grow. And like cryptocurrency, there's other compute-intensive tasks that are continuing to grow, such as file storage, machine learning, AI. All of these new technologies come at an increasingly expensive environmental cost. So, Saluna is building the solution to this problem. A 37,000 acre wind farm located in southern Morocco. In the episode, John will talk about building this 37,000 acre wind farm that's over double the size of New York City, why they chose Morocco for their flagship site, the promise of blockchain and other frontier technologies, and where he thinks we'll see the first meaningful crypto applications. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy our conversation with John Belazer, CEO at Saluna. John, welcome to the show. Thanks, Peter. Very nice to be here. John, let's jump right in. Can you tell our listeners, what is Saluna and how did we get here? Saluna is a new type of renewable energy and computing company combined, effectively. We are solving what we believe to be a major challenge to the increase in renewable energy development in the world. You know, when people ask me, what are you doing now? I believe I'm trying to help increase the percentage of renewable energy that's consumed in the world by enhancing the ability to develop more power in all parts of the world where it's very challenging to do so today. And what I explain to people who are not uh, in the space and don't understand the challenge, you know, to build renewable power today, you face three challenges. Number one, if you build a power plant, and it's very capital intensive to do that, you have to find someone to buy the power from you, the revenue stream for the power plant, if you will, to return the capital. And most of the time, the only entity that can do that is a government entity. The government, the, the, the grid is buying the power from, from the plant. And when renewable energy was just starting, governments had subsidies to sort of encourage that and there was all sorts of capital to do that. And it was a very lucrative aspect to investing in that space. But uh, ever since 2008, you know, governments are, are, are quite under pressure around capital. And so they've shifted to more of a competition-based approach. And so the lowest cost of power wins, which puts a lot of pressure on the returns and the investment in the CapEx. And governments may not be able to afford to buy the power, especially in developing areas. The second problem is let's say you want to build a really large power plant because you've got this great site. Well, the local economy may not be at a point where they can afford to buy that much power because they don't need that much power, right? There, there isn't sufficient load, which is the proper term, to support it. And the third challenge is the location. You may be far away from the grid, making it very difficult to get the power to the grid, et cetera. And so we solve those three problems which ultimately solves a bigger problem through a simple approach we call vertical integration. We're going to go to these 
places all around the world that have great power resources, but very difficult to monetize for the reasons I've just mentioned. And we will build the power plant and the load for the power plant at the same time. And the load that we're going to be developing is uh, high performance or high density computing operations. So imagine a, a big wind farm that we build and right on the same location, we build a large network of computing or data centers that are going to use that power. And if we're close to the grid or close enough to the grid, we can then essentially use some of the power for the computing and send some of the power to the grid. And then over time, as the demand for power from the grid increases, from the local market increases, we can change that mixture and then essentially move the computing facility or move the, the, the load to another location where we have another site, that sort of thing. Got it. So just to help our listeners understand the set of challenges that you're taking on and what Saluna looks like exactly, um, I just want to clarify the load part of the problem. So yes. most of our listeners are familiar with some of the new kind of financial technology lingo that's entered the mainstream over the last couple of years, like cryptocurrency and blockchain. But what most people don't know is the amount of power or electrical input required mm -hmm. to support several different parts of that ecosystem, like mm -hmm. mining for mm -hmm. the crypto assets. But the problem with all of this is that to support that ecosystem, to enable it, requires a ton of computational input and resources and energy. And Saluna comes in with this massively ambitious project, right? Just the initial phase of this project is going to cost Saluna, or you guys will invest $100 million and mm -hmm. eventually up to $2.5 billion to create this 37,000 acre campus mm -hmm. to support a clean infrastructure that can support and enable financial ecosystem 2.0 or this, this entirely mm -hmm. new way mm -hmm. of transmitting value mm -hmm. uh, between people. So now the startup founder of me has to ask the question, what's the MVP here, right? Like, is, is, is the $100 million the MVP? It is, yes. So when you put it like that, I think ambitious is, is certainly the right descriptor for our project. But, you know, we, we don't do things small over here. We're pretty serious at Saluna. But uh, I'll answer the MVP question in, in, in a minute. I, I do want to comment that you're right. We are building an infrastructure that can power this new financial 2.0 or 3.0 platform for, you know, global payment and settlement and, you know, trustless uh, transactions. But we're also adding a gigawatt of new renewable energy to the world that didn't exist before, right? And that's to support this transaction and the local network of the country where we're doing it. In this case, we're starting in our flagship location in Morocco. And if we successfully deploy our MVP and then expand in Morocco and then do it in other places, we can significantly make a dent in the percentage of renewable power on a global basis, right? Today, only about 18% of the globe is powered by renewable energy, right? And so what we're saying is, let's take this incredibly new technology that could transform the entire way we look at transactions, global transactions and, and, and asset movement, right? 
and its thirst for energy, which secures the 200 billion plus in, in asset value as of the time we're recording this podcast, and make it into a catalyst, a driver for increasing the amount of renewable power in the world. And so it's creating a demand, a load, a global load for the power, which will ultimately increase the power mixture, driving the cost of power down, increasing the potential for that technology, which will ultimately drive a major benefit and a solution to the overall climate change problem. Now let's come back to the MVP. Yes, we have a 900 megawatt site. It is 37,000 acres. It's twice the size of Manhattan. As <laughs> another way to look at it. The wind travels there about 22 miles per hour. On a good day, I'm talking about a windy day in New York. If it's not a hurricane, it's about eight miles an hour. So you get a sense of the, the, the speed with which we're talking about. That region in southern Morocco is known as the kite surfing capital of the world. So when you go to Dakla Airport, which I hope you know, as we get as we get this off, we're going to invite people to come down and see the site and see that region. You know, if you go to that airport, you mostly see people with these giant backpacks with like surfboards, and they're pulling them, <laughs> pulling them through the airport because that's where like the best athletes go to 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 test their 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 kite surfing skills. No way. And so, you know, nine hundred megawatt site. Well, that's really hard to build. You know, in in one phase. And so, what we wanted to do was to prove our new model and our new model being that is vertically integrated, right? You've got this intermittent power resource that has to power a computing facility, send power to the grid, right? That whole design has to be perfected with uh, a host of different technological and some innovations that we're creating. For example, when I use the term data center, you shouldn't think of a giant building. You should think of lots of little buildings that are all connected into a multiplexing power source, like a control system. And based on the amount of wind that's being produced, and therefore the amount of power that's being produced, the data center will intelligently size itself to perform, to, to use the power that's being produced. So intermittency now becomes a feature, <laughs> not a bug, right? And so we're going to create a 100 megawatt version of that. And so, uh, and, and by the way, that's $200 million. So our MVP is actually a $200 million phase because when, when that interview was done, that was a while ago and we were thinking of a smaller f initial footprint, but there's been so much interest in, in investing in the site and this initial phase that we decided to make it bigger, which will be great for the area and so forth. And so it's uh, so MVP is 200 million and, and it's a hundred megawatt wind farm backed by 70 plus uh, megawatt uh, computing facility. I want to take this opportunity to probe further because yeah. in in many ways, or at least in part, the long-term success of Saluna yeah. is, you know, in part related to the long-term success of, of blockchain. So yes. maybe maybe in in a in a in a small nugget, why what's your bullish case on blockchain? Why are why are you so excited about it? Yeah. Long term, so I, di I didn't tell you the backstory on how I got I got into the Saluna project. So I was invited to run this company when I got a call. It was somewhere around December of 2017, I believe, and I was just about to get on a plane with my wife um, and daughter to go away for Christmas vacation. And uh, uh, I get a call from my longtime friend. I've known him for 20 plus years. He's been an investor in many of my companies, and he's the general partner at Brookstone. And he says, John, you need to come down and look at this project we're working on. Well, I know that he's only invested in industrial companies. And I'm thinking, like, what could he be doing that <laughs> relates to me? Because I'm a software guy, let's say. 
And then he says, look, it, it's just, just come and look at it. It's a mix between renewable energy and blockchain. I said, hmm, interesting. And I go down to the office and I get this sort of rapid high bandwidth introduction to renewable energy, the challenges with it, the opportunities in Morocco, and this new tech, this new sort of thing called the blockchain. And I had heard of Bitcoin and the blockchain, but I never really understood what it was and the space, right? And just like everyone else, I went, you know, went away. I read the white paper. I started really digging into the whole space. And it was just like, it was a black hole. <laughs> like there is no escape. And what I realized, the more I got close to the technology, is that effectively the blockchain for me is another internet wave. It's a new networked technology. It's a giant database, but it's not just a database. It is the solution to the Byzantine general problem, which is like a quintessential problem that computer scientists have been trying to solve for a long time, which is how do you send communication, information, data, assets across the world, right? Where the movement of those assets may go through untrusted parties, right? But still you want it to get to the other side and to reach the destination and, and the message to get there. That's been solved in a beautiful, elegant way that will open the door to a host of different applications. For example, I would like to move my health information, which I own from one doctor here to another doctor over there in a completely uh, secure way. Uh, that might be the promise of the blockchain. I want to ensure that anyone in the world is no longer locked out from being part of the financial aspects of society, right? And they're not marginalized in any way, no matter what country they live in. Well, blockchain may be the solution uh, to that. There's a host of different ways in which this technology can be applied. And we haven't seen it applied in, let's say, an earth-shattering major way yet, right? Where you've got another Google or Facebook or something like that sort of, you know, created as a result that changes the world. But because I've seen it happen before, I feel very confident that it's going to happen again with the blockchain. Wow. Hey, I hope you're right. What I'd love to hear from you before we transition to the lightning round is... Yep. What does the next year, three years, five years look like for Saluna? What's next from here? Uh, okay. So because we're a energy development company and a computing company, we will do what both of those types of companies do. So on the renewable energy side, for the next few years, what we're going to be doing is building out the Moroccan site, which we're going to develop in several phases. Uh, our initial plan is to complete the entire development and production of the full site over a six-year period. And beyond Morocco, what we're going to do is look for other locations around the world that have highly productive sites that meet certain criteria for us. And those sites may already be owned by a development company, but they can't monetize it, in which case we may partner with them or acquire those sites and then replicate our business model um, in those locations. So we want to build essentially a network of these projects around the world. So Saluna, we are the company that sort of develops these projects. And if you look from the top, you'll see a network of these projects happening all over the world. And in that same time frame, what we're also going to do is develop very strategic relationships with equipment providers, software and technology providers, uh, uh, folks looking to do 
perform different applications in our facilities, for instance. So we're, we're going to go beyond us being the primary customer, if you will, and also form relationships with some of the large technology players that are interested in moving their load from traditionally being in, you know, Canada or Texas or, you know, Scandinavian countries to some of these developing countries, because there's something we didn't touch on. And that is the fact that, you know, we really care very much about how our projects affect the local economies and the local ecosystems where we're deploying this vertical integration strategy. In fact, we also believe wholeheartedly that what we're doing is introducing a new way to develop renewable energy, a new way to deploy green data centers, but we're also bringing technology ecosystems and, uh, and technology training and expertise to areas that wouldn't normally be a base for those types of things. And because our goal is not to be extractive, we want to be additive wherever we go. Uh, and so for the next several years, we're going to be working on perfecting, you know, this distributed education and training capabilities uh, that we can deploy in these developing areas. And uh, we're going to develop uh, very close relationships with the renewable energy equipment and technology providers that are going to help us solve lots of interesting problems that come with this vertical integration design. And we may ultimately create new approaches and new ideas uh, as a result from that. So there's a lot to do in the next uh, three to five years, but for us, it's all a focus on scale. And the other thing I didn't mention is, is, is of course, we're going to you know, attract lots of capital to support all of this. John, seriously, I need to tip my hat because this is, like I said, one of the most challenging and ambitious projects, but when it succeeds, this is one of these kind of moonshot projects that I hope many people celebrate for years Thank to you. come. Thank you, Peter. So, John, let's let's transition to my favorite part of every interview. It's the lightning round. Okay. Um, how it works is I'll ask you a couple questions. We'll try to answer each of them in 60 seconds or less. Okay. You ready to go? Yeah, I'm ready. Let's do it. First question is, what's your favorite podcast and why? Uh, uh, I have two. The first is The Knowledge Project uh, by Shane Pearson from Farnham Street blog. I love it because it's just pure brain food. It's a podcast focused on interviewing all sorts of really interesting people around the world and uh, understanding how they learn what drove their success and exploring really scintillating conversations around mental models and how the world works, how the world really works, and just sort of digging into becoming a better human. <laughs> the second one is Drift. They the, Drift is a company that is run by a good friend of mine. They're in the conversational marketing space, but they run a podcast that basically focuses on helping people learn how to do better marketing. And I am a marketing geek. Uh, as a CEO, I am so focused on creating brand and story and really understanding how to deliver the company's story to as many people as possible. So they have a, a series of podcasts now, but the original one is called Seeking Wisdom. I highly recommend it. And it's a great place to just learn about uh, also marketing, great books about marketing and uh, understanding how people make decisions uh, and also mental models uh, as well. So those, those will be my two favorites. And Amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm also a huge fan of the Knowledge Project and I'll have to check out Drift. Thanks for, thanks for the tips. So here's a, here's a curveball. 
It's from your partner, Dip. <laughs> I talked to him for the interview and he had a couple question suggestions. What is your favorite mental model? My favorite mental model. That's a good one. I'm just getting started on mental models. I think they're a very powerful tool to helping CEOs make better decisions. I think as a CEO, one of the, the, the things that you do all the time is you're constantly making decisions, hundreds, thousands of them any given year. And the more we can make better decisions, ultimately, the, the better companies we can build, et cetera. And so I've been spending a lot of time learning about them and working with the team on that and getting the team engaged. I'll tell you a few that I enjoy. One of them is Occam's Razor, which is when in doubt, the simplest explanation is probably the best explanation. Another one is focused around sunk cost. So especially in startups, you are so focused on reaching the goal, you'll invest in one approach to doing things and you continue to invest in that approach because you've invested so much already. And many times it's better to sort of cut the bait than, and, and go on to a, a different approach. And there's lots of other applications of that. It's like you bought a ticket to the show and you lost the ticket or you can't find the ticket or you've left the ticket at home and you, you decide that you should still try to go to the show anyway if it's raining or something like that. And mm -hmm. instead you should have just, what else can I do with that time? Because you've already paid for the ticket. It's, it's sunk cost, right? So it gives you a, an opportunity to sort of rethink that. And the, the very last question I have for you, mm -hmm. if you weren't working on Saluna, yes. what problem area would you be exploring? Oh, interesting. So I have this little book that I keep where it's like, it's like this ideas book. And so far, the types of things that I've put in there are blockchain related because obviously I'm in the industry. So I see lots of interesting things. Identity on the identity side, I like this concept of sort of owning your own health data. And, you know, I've, I've had personal experiences where I have to move health information from one doctor to another. And it's like brain surgery to, <laughs> to have to do that. And besides, why should, why should I have to go to anybody to get my data, right? It should, it should just be owned by me. So I like that area a lot. That might be an area I'd be uh, working on. There's lots of interesting gnarly problems in the B2B fintech space, right? Around, uh, around payments, uh, security that I'd be really interested in. And I've written some ideas there as well. I was for a while very interested in the power of machine learning as it related to different types of business applications as well. And I've, I, I note anything that, that, that sort of spawns interesting ideas, that sort of thing. So there's no one thing that immediately comes to mind, but I've got lot, lots of ideas in this little book that I've been keeping. I love it. John, before we finish the interview, I just want to roll out the red carpet. Is there any final plugs, any call to actions? The red carpet is yours. <laughs> well, thanks, Peter. That's very nice of you. I think, you know, for those of of you out there who are listening to this and would like to learn more about Saluna, I encourage you to visit uh, our website, saluna.io, there, and you'll see lots of detailed information about the Morocco project. You'll also have links to our blog where we talk about all sorts of interesting things related to renewable energy. There's a great article about something we call infrastructure inversion and its application to renewable energy. 
lots of interesting articles about security and blockchain computing and lots of the interesting debates around the whole space. So great content there. Uh, we have our own podcast. It's called The Kingdom. And there we talk about all sorts of things. We talk to interesting experts in different areas from you know, renewable energy, blockchain, regulation, technology, entrepreneurship, et cetera. And then the, the, the last thing I'll, I'll, I'll say is if you're an investor that is looking to invest in the renewable energy space, I encourage you to look at our project because it's not only a project that can deliver better returns than a typical renewable energy project, it's a project that has much broader implications for the whole renewable energy space. And, and so if you'd like to learn more about that, uh, please contact me at saluna.io. You can send sort of an email to hello at saluna.io, and uh, we'd be happy to, to uh, tell you more about the project. John, thank you so much. This was such a pleasure. We'll have to do this when you announce the next phase of the project. Absolutely. We'll, we'll be back. <laughs> happy to do it, Peter. Thank you. Thank you. If you enjoyed the episode, please consider subscribing and writing us a review. Also, if you have any recommendations about a founder or a company that you'd like to see on the show, let us know. Message us on social at InGoodHands. Also, special shout out to Dan Mahoney, who produced this week's episode, and Eddie Knuckles, our music director. I'm your host, Peter Levin. You can find me on Instagram or Twitter at Peter A. Levin. And that's it. Looking forward to bringing you another new episode next Tuesday.